You are listening to The Four Persons Show on Blog Talk Radio. We are your enthusiastic and faithful Catholic apostolate. For more information about what we do, go to our show page at thefourpersons.com and our blog site at thefourpersons.net. To call in tonight with your comment or question, dial 515-602-9655. The number, again, is 515-602-9655. Good or bad or indifferent, 515-602-9655. And welcome to the Uncounseling Show with me, Dr. Fred Bowley, on the Four Persons Podcast. Uncounseling is produced by St. Barnabas and the Four Persons Podcast and is a weekly look at counseling and psychotherapy from a skeptical Catholic point of view. Whether or not you are skeptical or Catholic or not, you are welcome to the discussion As usual, we have here a man who's both skeptical and Catholic and luxuriously bearded. (laughs) Hi, Brian. Sir, how are you? How are you doing today? I'm doing good. good. How long did it take you to grow your beard? Uh, This is year six. (laughs) Year six. Wow, does it ever get any longer than that? I'm I'm hoping it does. I'm going to try to stop trimming it because, you know, I'm going uh, full, uh, was it Statler Brothers? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, what was that uh, trio from the 80s? ZZ Top. ZZ Top, yeah. yeah. We also have with us a special guest. Our secret guest for tonight is the famous or infamous Deb Rojas from Tangled Mess on Tuesday evenings at 7. Hi, Deb. Hi, Fred. I don't think. How are you? Uh, yeah, neither, neither famous nor infamous, but happy to be here. So tonight, I or today, whatever, where it depends where you are, uh, I'm going to tell you that counseling does not work to the extent that it does not work, in large part because we don't know what it would even look like to work. So the reason I say that um, is that um, counseling really comes from uh, a history um, that shows us that it should be or often should be something quite different than what it is. Counseling started back in uh, about the 1890s uh, with actually school counselors. So the first counselors were uh, school counselors who were trying to help uh, teenagers um, get a, a, a choose a proper career, right? Where to go to school or what to do for a living rather than wasting time and getting frustrated trying to do something they weren't uh, suited for. So um, it only became what we know now today as counseling and psychotherapy, mainly after the Second World War. So before then, it was uh, trying to help uh, youngsters choose a career and uh, do well in school. But when they were trying to help them do well in school, what they quickly found out was um, students often had emotional problems so that um, you couldn't just give them good advice because um, people with emotional problems often aren't able to take in good advice. 
And then they found out even if they helped the student with their emotional problems, um, they would go home and get back tangled up with their family. The family had problems, and so they needed to work with the families. And so that led to what we think of as counseling today, which is helping people overcome their personal problems. Um, However, all professions, you know, if you have a profession such as medicine or dentistry or whatever, it is, if it's a real profession, it is designed to meet a real human need. So, medical profession is designed to meet what human need? What do you think, Brian? Dealing with uh, your mental uh, stresses. Uh, so let me rephrase the question. Okay, rephrase it, please. What I want to know is if you look at the medical profession, yes. what is the purpose of that? What human need is that? Healing. Mean? Healing from? Illness. From just normal bodily illness, yes. right? Yes. So um, if it's a fake profession... So, for example, back in the day, we had um, uh, the study of the shape of the human skull. Deb, do you remember the name uh, of that? What is that called? Is that nephrology? You... Oh, was it? Nephrology? No, that's not quite it. It's something uh, like I know that. What you're talking about, but since you put me under pressure, I won't be able to remember. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's, it's matter. determined by the shape and the like the different bumps where the yeah, yeah the measurement face. of your head and different yeah. parts. Goal. If your head was the wrong size or shape. Then phrenology? You're... Yeah, phrenology. Bam! Nailed it. <laughs> I said you're, yeah, phrenology. You're very you're close. So close. <laughs> yeah, I'm the one that's not the professional. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how many uh, phrenologists are in your town? Brian, how many phrenologists are in our area, would you say? I would hope zero. And Deb, it's probably a bigger city. You probably might have more phrenologists over there. I could Google the yellow pages and see. If it would be really it. interesting. I would be amazed if you found. Hold on a second. There are any? Yeah. Let's well, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I'm guessing my betting is that there's not going to be any in Pennsylvania or New York, but there probably are in Los Angeles because <laughs> Los Angeles. But anyway. That profession went the way of the hoop skirt because it wasn't meeting a real human need. Right? It was detached in some sense from reality. Well, there's a story of a blind phrenologist. Uh, really? Oh, which is even better. <laughs> even better, right? You can use the sense as well. Um, yeah, no, there's no phrenologist near me. There you go, Brian. There's none in Pennsylvania? Well, we'll take baby steps. So do you um, think your story is actually ahead of Philadelphia? <laughs> <laughs> Say that again, Deb. It's a state competition. Is uh, is Missouri actually ahead of Pennsylvania in development? Yeah, probably. Missouri is ahead of. Uh, she pronounces it funny, but she means Missouri. So that's okay. Missouri? How do you say it? <laughs> how do you say it, Brian? <laughs> it depends on what mood I'm in. <laughs> it depends how much she's had. To it's drink. Missouri or Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, it goes both ways. I said Missouri. I'm very proud of you, Dad. I said Missouri. 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 Well, Pennsylvania. Missouri. Yeah. That's more New Jersey. Jersey That's all good. What did you say, Dad? The New Jersey accent, Missouri. Yeah. Is that where you're from originally, Jersey? 
No, I'm originally from uh, a little county north of county. Nice. Beautiful. Because the lady is very pretty. Mm-hmm. Phrenology. Phrenology. It's gone because it doesn't meet a real human need. There is no real human need to know the shape of somebody else's skull. It doesn't do anything for us. But it was so, an interesting no. theory. It was interesting, yes. And there are other very interesting theories. But um, real professions have to be based on real human needs. So medicine and is based evidence. on real and evidence. <laughs> so that <laughs> <laughs> if you have something that <laughs> um, uh, purports to be a real profession, uh, fulfilling the real human need and the evidence shows that it is not fulfilling that need, yes. I agree, Deb. It wouldn't be a real profession. So dentistry, another real profession because all of us need to have uh, good teeth in order to um, be healthy and to uh, get as much out of life as we can. So the question is, what real need does counseling fulfill? And it, it might help. Did you have something? Do you have an idea there, Brian? Well, what it did for me being a, uh, you know, patient, I think it laid the, the, the foundation, you know, it uh, helped me get my own method uh, along with talking about my issue, but being able to deal with the anxieties, the stress, the depression, uh, and gleaming from what the, the doctor that I used uh, and being able to cope. I'm, man. I'm fantastic now. You know, I used to be a hot mess, for real. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that is better than medication, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or the, trying to have the doctor trying to wave the uh, the magic wand and trying to fix the person. The, the, the patient needs to be willing to... Uh, get what he can or she can from uh, the counseling and finding that sweet spot to be able to work it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Cool. So if you could boil it down one sentence, what would that be? The real human need that counseling meets is what? One word. One sentence. Uh, laying out a outline for a healthy life. Ooh, I love it. Laying out an outline for a healthy life. I like that better than most that I hear. Mm-hmm. Deb, how would you, how would you um, uh, summarize or how would you? I would. I would. Um, I would say um, more actively, like discovering a flourishing life. More actively discovering a flourishing life. Jeez, you guys are really good. I mean, it's much better than I even expected. I hope that you guys would say something kind of stupid so I could be, uh, you know, critical. No, we're on the air, sir. <laughs> why don't we? Why don't we interview you and then you can say the stupid thing? Now, why don't we ask you? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Ben, tell us what you think. It's worthwhile uh, thinking about uh, other things that are similar, right? Because uh, if you think, what's the difference between clinical psychology and counseling? Right. Most people who are just nice, normal people would not be able to define the two or differentiate the two. Or need to know the difference between the two. (laughs) 
Well, maybe, but I think nice, normal it might people. be really useful for the public to find that out. You know, I think uh, if I ask most counselors, most counselors can't really differentiate either. They won't give you a straight answer anyway. <laughs> He's saying anti-counselor things over here. <laughs> yeah, I hear. <laughs> the difference between being a doctor and being a... Sorry, Deb. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not trying to say... A therapist, good guy. I want to be your friend. Right. You know, uh, mm-hmm. not say that anybody that's in this room is that, but uh, I call those guys uh, witch doctors and shaking of the bones, chicken bones, and trying to come up what's wrong with you. I gotcha. So you're yeah. saying I should get rid of all my essential oil, Brian? <laughs> oh my God, lavender. <laughs> hold on a second. Yeah, let, let, Can you see you're this? Really holding up for us. Lavender. I nailed it. <laughs> I am on a roll, girlfriend. So, I love it. Uh, <laughs> where was I? I thought we were having, trying to have a service. Oh, yeah. We are. So we are. Yes, we're talking about girl. the difference between clinical psychology, yeah. which doctor. What do we human need that clinical psychology fulfills? Give me the definition. Give me your definition of. Well, clinical, when I think of clinical psychology, I think of um, of, of diagnosis, of testing, of um, a much, very much a medical model. And um, you know, even even the language is slightly different. <clears throat> it's a it's a patient as opposed to a client. And right. so, you know, it's kind of looking at. Are like you saying somebody at, that's institutionalized? Good question. Well, often psychologists are used in those contexts. Yes. yes. Not always, um, but much more always. often counselors, much more right? Often, right. Mm-hmm. But not always. There's plenty of um, clinical psychologists who are in private practice out and dealing mm-hmm. with patients. And to, to confound things further, there are clinical psychologists who do really good counseling. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but I wouldn't call it counseling in that case. I would call it therapy. Mm, you're going to mince words? I'm going to mince words with you, Jeff. Sword play. Because uh, clinical psychology comes from that medical background, right? Mm-hmm. The laboratory background or the medical background as a profession. Mm-hmm. They started out by uh, doing mainly testing, working in university right. labs and hospitals, testing uh, uh, reaction times and very basic nerve function and things like that. And then later on, they moved into what was more therapy as well as uh, counseling. So at the beginning, the only people who talked to patients trying to help them on a sort of mental or emotional level were psychiatrists, right? There were Mm -hmm. other helpers. Pastors were a huge one back Mm -hmm. in the day. Um, But uh, on a professional basis, that was almost exclusively the psychiatrist. But there weren't nearly enough people who were trained as psychiatrists after the two big wars, and so they needed more therapists, and they brought in clinical psychologists and counselors. Mm -hmm. But the two things are quite different, in fact, because clinical psychology is based on the medical model and therefore is looking for a disease and how to cure Mm -hmm. it. But counseling, counseling is trying to help people make the most out of their potential, right? And heal. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, and it's really like the, the flourishing, like in that, like if we're looking at a person as someone who has the capacity to flourish. Mm-hmm. Without the doctor being present. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yes, exactly. Not only during a counseling session, but in life. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. Wait till you go to the office, have an epiphany, and then as soon as you close the door and head out into the world, you have an anxiety attack or a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's, it's up to the patient to come up with their, their own game plan for healing, mm-hmm. you know. And, and it definitely, I don't mean to keep banging this drum, it's not pills, you know, mm-hmm. for real. You know. Mm-hmm. So why? why? What do you have against pills? It doesn't take the cause of the depression away. You know, when you wake up, the depression or the cause of your depression is still there. Mm-hmm. You got to try to come up with a method through counseling, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to uh, deal with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're saying that the, the pills really only deal with the symptoms, not the root. Well, it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, it, it dopes you up to where you're not just caring about your depression issues. You don't care about anything. Anything, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you cave up into your bedroom and you, you sleep for 10, mm. 12 hours in the day. Then you wake up and you're still depressed. Right. Uh, so not a flourishing life, Brian, that you're describing. No, there. absolutely not flourishing. So I, I have seen, to play the devil's advocate, a use for medication at times mm. where the symptoms are so extreme, it's very difficult to really do any real work to get to the root of the, of the mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. What do you but, think but, about that, Dr. Bowling? You're not... You're not doping up the individual where they can't right. function or that they don't want mm-hmm. to function. You're right. just dealing with the, the symptom that you can then, then you know, give them the therapy and the, and the groundwork to where they can, you know, make it through life, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but they're going to have to deal with life, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and feel their emotions. Them. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I see that. I understand. So suppose you have a medicine that helps you with depression, or let's go, let's do better. That helps you with anxiety, mm. and it doesn't make you feel doped up. Mm. You feel pretty normal, um, but you just don't have the intense anxiety symptoms. Like you're not having panic attacks, or you're not having um, uh, PTSD symptoms, or whatever. I've never been given that. Sure. I've never experienced. Man, this is this is really a good pill. You know, uh, but uh, how I deal with my anxiety, which anything can cause me to have anxiety, mm-hmm. going to work. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, how's my day going to go? You know. Uh, Coming on the show can give you anxiety. See? See? Exactly. I was trying to work out a way to get out of it. You know. <laughs> uh, I thought about that too, right? <laughs> but I mean, right. But you got you to gotta step up her lip and go, man. And then you find out that you were working yourself up and it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. You know, uh, I don't want to seem irreverent or anything like that, but no, you no, got to, no. you got to man up, you know, or, or woman up. In my or case. woman up. Yeah. <laughs> Cause a lot of times women are stronger than men. Okay. Well, easy Fred. <laughs> I think we need to talk about that a little bit further. Fred. Yeah, I think we should kick that can down the road a little bit. Yeah, another time. <laughs> We're having technical issues. <laughs> yeah. Right, I don't know what happened. Uh, okay, so suppose you have the perfect pill. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you feel dopey, mm-hmm. but you're, you don't have anxiety anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I would still think that that's not the best way to go nope. because pills are like tiny little handcuffs on your brain. They don't allow mm-hmm. your brain to do what it would mm-hmm. ordinarily do considering 
what you're going through and what you're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I got a friend. Yeah. Okay. So my daughter is fighting just massive depression. And uh, and the therapist that she was seeing or is seeing is, you know, pulling her up. It's an issue for me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, my mother told me that she has decided to, and she has given up the medication, except for one, I can't remember. Oh, her prenatal, because she's pregnant. All right. And uh, that's the only medication that she's taking. Now, has she got the outline to try to work through her depression? I don't think so. Well, sometimes it's hard if you're going through a lot of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. and a lot of times people are going through several different things all at once. Mm-hmm. So it is hard for them and also for them and the therapist to get in front of everything that's going on in time um, before, you know, they have some kind of dire consequences. Uh, sometimes you feel like you are running as fast as you can and you just can't get out in front of the, the symptoms or the problems. Mm-hmm. Now then, uh, devil's advocate, let me be the devil's advocate for a while here, Deb, because I'm going to say something that always causes a hassle. <clears throat> The business of counseling, the aim of counseling is not healing. Hmm. The aim of clinical psychology is healing, curing or healing uh, wounds or diseases or whatever the case may be. We're helping people flourish. That's not the same. So if you take as as an analogy, the aim of a medical doctor is healing people who are sick, right? Mm -hmm. What's the aim of a personal trainer? Helping someone build a healthy lifestyle, muscle. Yeah, physically, on the physical side, right? Mm -hmm. Help them to be healthier uh, Mm -hmm. physically. I don't know nothing about gyms or anything like that. So So it could well be that you have something that is wrong with you. Um, uh, Yeah, for example, suppose you have, huh? Like what, Deb? It could well be. be. You have... uh, Suppose you have sugar diabetes. I know nothing about it, but I think that if you're overweight and then you lose weight, oftentimes you can avoid the need to use insulin or whatever the medicines are, metformin. Mm -hmm. Right, your diet. So you didn't go to the gym to be cured of a disease. You went to the gym to get healthier, to get stronger or whatever. But as it happens, healing happened as well. Side effect. Yeah, like a nice side effect of that. So what do you think about that? Is that going too far to say the business of counseling is not healing? Are you saying you're thinking that you're wanting to return customer? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, if it wasn't healing, would we be here having this discussion? Why is that? What would be the point you know, it, like if it, what it, it, we really have to go to what is flourishing. Yeah. Being able to you make know. it through your day without a freak out. There's Say more again? to it than that, though. Brian says uh, being able to make it through your day without a freak out. Right. That's surviving. There's got to be more to it than that. Say yeah. That's surviving. Surviving. That's not. That's like okay. That's that's definitely a victory. Yeah. But that's not. That's you know it's it's making it through. It's not really flourishing. Sure, I um, understand that. 
Does that make sense? You go through day without a freak out, but you could be a person. I could be depressed. Yeah, you could be a... I could be, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead, Deb. If the freak out is really your thing, like, that's like, that's what you struggle with more than anything, then, you know, like, not just getting through a day without a freak out, but like going through a month without a freak out and realizing that you didn't even think about having a freak out. (laughs) Right. You know, like you're so focused on like living well and doing, you know, finding satisfaction and purpose and meaning in what you're doing that that the things that used to be fueling that freak out Mm. aren't factors any longer. Right. So you can see the difference in the quality of life. Sure. In that perspective. So, so to to use your your trainer analogy, Fred, um, there's healing that takes place in the process. So it's not it's not just looking at like how do we help heal. Like I have on my on my desk a book by Dr. Bob Schutz. The title is "Be Healed." Mm-hmm. I think I've got that book. It's and fantastic, and and it you know it's it's how we encounter healing in the context of the powerful love of Christ in our lives. Because ultimately, at the heart of healing is a need for love. <laughs> and so, what we bring. No. Sorry, Brian. No, I agree. I, I agree with you. But then, you know, the rest of us mortals just decide to, you know, I I don't need to be loved anymore. It's not that big of a deal. I had my shot, and I'm going to go on without it. Hmm. Boy, that sounds depressing, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. It sounds very lonely. Yeah. What are you talking about there, uh, Brian? Are you talking about romantic love or? Well, we could talk about all of it. You know, friendship love. Well, I've got that. You know, I've got friends. I mean, Fred's my friend. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go off the air for right now. We'll stand by for these messages. <laughs> we'll be back in just a moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, neither Fred nor uh, Brian maybe. I, I didn't have I didn't have fatherly love. You know, mm-hmm. uh, from a father that I wanted love from, uh, you know, and, and romantic love uh, wasn't successful, you know. So, I mean, you know, we can go down the line, but, you know, I'm okay with where I'm at right now. So, what makes with, you okay with where uh, you're at? Mm-hmm. What's that? I'm sorry. What What helps you to be okay with where you're at, with not having those human needs fulfilled, what helps you to be okay? My faith, uh, just embracing my life, embracing mm-hmm. my happiness, uh, mm-hmm. because I, I, I'm i happy for the most part. You know, uh, I like my peace, uh, but I do, uh, I get melancholy when it comes to seeing other people that are having successful relationships or whatever you know it happens but then uh you know i figured god has other plans for me well and you you said you know you're finding fulfillment in your relationship with god yes and so in that it sounds like you've experienced to some degree at least how the the love of god as father can meet the hurt from the lack of your own father's love Absolutely. and enter, enter into that place of your heart to, to bring healing and peace. Yes. I mean, but God is always there to love you. 
mm-hmm. you know, even if you were who you are and you, you know, you beat your, we're, we're our own worst judges, you know, <laughs> uh, so, uh, but. Are you quite sure about that, Brian? No, I'm pretty hard on myself. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I really beat, beat myself up, you know, so it, 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 it prevents other people from doing it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Does it though, or does it invite other people? Probably the strategy. Yeah, that's why I I do it. I would say it might might have the effect more so of inviting other people to do it. No, they better not. (laughs) 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 I'm a lot bigger than them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now people have fear (laughs) of bigger than them. Wait a minute, who are you thinking of there? Everybody. Okay. <laughs> the world, they're all out to get Brian. Right, right. No, but I'm really happy with my life right now. You know, there are some things that I would change, but, you know, we don't have time machines. No. You know, we can't go back. So if you think about uh, the love of a earthly father and the love of um, God mm. for us, mm. what is more real? Mm. What has a greater status of reality? How can you answer that? The father's love is real, right? Your dad's love? Not that, not by all means. I don't mean your dad. No, 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 but I mean, I have a stepdad that loves me. Yeah. You know, uh, and. What's more real, though, the love of a earthly father? Like God. Yeah. Why? So, do you have an idea about why? Why does he. Why would that be more real? That's what I wonder. Definitely more fulfilling. You know, uh, it, it it's helped me. It helps me get through my day. You know, I I talk to him more than I talk to a lot of people. You know, uh, I was at work. You know, by myself all day. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if a concern happens, I'm talking. Right. You know, uh, so I you feel say... very filled. He has given me peace. Right. 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 But even if you didn't have peace, mm-hmm. right? God loves you every moment of the day. That's right. Whereas uh, an earthly father might be asleep part of the time, <laughs> right? Or mad, or whatever. And sooner or later, mm-hmm. or sad, or wrapped up in self pity, or whatever. We're probably going to lose our fathers before they lose us, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So at some point you lose that. I mean, you're probably like our fathers are probably going to be in. In heaven loving us, right? I would hope so. But it's hard to get that sense. I don't know. Anyway, God's love has always existed and always will exist for a father's love. I mean, your father could get Alzheimer's or he could um, get addicted on drugs. None of our fathers, but mm-hmm. it could happen, right? And then he acts in a way that's totally <clears throat> unloving. So, so in that way, a, an earthly father's love is perhaps more tangibly felt. More tangible, yeah. But possibly more conditional, but also quite possibly conditional. Right. Might wax and wane depending on how mm-hmm. naughty you are. <laughs> um. Uh, how do we get on that subject? Oh, so <laughs> therefore, every kid really needs to have a dad's love. You know, it's really important for development. But despite the fact you didn't have that, <coughs> you've come back strong. Brian, right? And what can I say? Live without is a I think I heard love. Brian say that his stepdad kind of became that. Is that is that what you were saying, Brian? That he filled some of that that gap in your life? Absolutely. There's a my my stepdad is uh, he's a good man. 
you know, mm. uh, does he do things that irritate? Well, yeah, but that's not what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. He loves mm-hmm. He loves me. Even when I make stupid adult decisions, you know, he still loves me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he's a good Christian man. Mm-hmm. And he loves my mother, and that's all that matters to me. Right. You know? But, well, yeah, he, he's with yeah. my, my biological father was a, a nightmare, you know, mm-hmm. and, and tangled me mentally, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah. So you did have a even a taste of that fatherly love in a very tangible way in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it didn't happen until I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. But uh, it could have been a lot worse, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure. So it's uh, hard to come back from not having the love of a dad when you're a kid, but it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. What you can't do without as a flourishing human being is the love of God. Right? Mm-hmm. I agree. If you, if you look into it, um, the love of God is what keeps us in existence. If God didn't love us, if he didn't love us in every moment, then uh, we would cease to exist mm-hmm. at that moment. All right, Deb, listen to this. Tell me what you think. Well, my comfort is more important than anything else, but what's the point, Deb? 
when someone is down, it makes us uncomfortable. It's hard. To, it's hard to. It's hard to be around. Um, it can, you know, it can be a place of like, how do I? What do I do? It can be a place of helplessness for those who are around a person who's really suffering. Right. So if you care for a person, you don't want them to suffer, and yet they keep suffering, right, by being down, depressed, whatever. So instead of trying to figure out a way, because we probably have already tried to figure out a way to cheer them up, right? Instead, we say to them, stop with the self-pity. Get over it. I don't know. You might say that. I would not say that. (laughs) Fred's hardcore. He's got, he's got no empathy whatsoever. What'd you say, Brian? Oh, man. My kids were little. So Brian says self pity really exists. He knows because he's wallowed in it. Absolutely. Well, and you know, I mean, do it. Yeah, I definitely felt sorry for myself. See? But doesn't that just mean you feel sad because something crappy happened to you? No, sadness is different than self pity. All right. How? Different emotions. It touches the heart differently. Fred, there are such things as emotions. <laughs> I deny it. I agree with you, Deb. I don't care what Fred says. <laughs> Brian, when you were in self-pity, how did you know that was self-pity and not just feeling sad? Because I knew what I was doing when I was doing it. But how did you know what you were doing when you were doing it? What's the difference between self-pity and just feeling sad about some kind of circumstance? Because if you... You can make a choice when the situation is provided to you, and you have a choice to either wallow in it or... Okay, so what does wallow mean? Okay. You blacken out your bedroom, and you shut everybody out, and you cave up in your bedroom. You are wallowing in self-pity. So in other words, you, uh, you're not reaching out to other people. You're not caring no, for other people. You're cutting yourself off. You're not making anybody feel uncomfortable, you know, not that you care if you're making people feel uncomfortable. So the focus is all on yourself. Absolutely. It's self-absorbed. Yeah. Self-absorbed. Yeah. Yeah, I would say Because in depression, people also want to isolate. I would say self-pity is is, is probably linked to depression, like what leads to depression. Because it's that spiral of thoughts that... You guys aren't saying that you're like just um, uh, criticizing or condemning people who are depressed, are you? That would be... That was no, no, that, no, not... I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been in that place. Yep. Have you ever been uh, in a state of self-pity without feeling depressed? Yeah. Without it going all the way down? Absolutely. So what, would, what qualifies uh, depression? And how, how do you really know someone has gone from self-pity to depression? You know those massive drills that dig into the earth and that, yeah. you know, just like make the hole bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger? Uh-huh. Well, I, I think of depression as like those, those, those um, parts of the drill that are spirally shaped and that uh-huh. just like dig a hole deeper and deeper and deeper, a hole of isolation and despair Mm-hmm. And, and darkness and confusion, um, and so it doesn't it doesn't have to go all the way down. But continuing those patterns and those thoughts and the, and the practices of isolation are mm-hmm. what digs that hole deeper and deeper. You can make a mental decision. I mean, it's almost like a decision 
Yeah, I'm going mm-hmm. to go You know, it's your choice. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know when you're at that crossroads. No, I'm just going to mm-hmm. go on deeper. You know, no, you got to stop yourself. You know, that that is a choice. But isn't there isn't there more to depression than just feeling sad? Yeah, there's more to depression. Mm-hmm. Why, what are the markers else? for it, Fred? <laughs> oh, I don't believe in markers, Deb. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not a counselor, Deb. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. I'm asking the question. <laughs> don't mind uh, me. I got to it first. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no, but I can. Uh, the uh, depression will often include uh, really low motivation. So mm-hmm. If you're holding up in your in your room, mm-hmm. it partly is because um, you're not really motivated to do a whole lot, which right. is also closely linked to a, what we call anhedonia, right? So you're not enjoying stuff that you would usually enjoy. In the mm-hmm. fact, that a, a severe depression, food can start tasting like ashes, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. even taste. Mm-hmm. Or if you like watching a particular show on television every day, even watching the show is not any fun for you, something that low level of energy required. Or a simple chore, like getting dressed, you know, uh-huh. like but, to put a sleeve on the arm. that simple chore is your way to fight out of it. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, the antidote is to do I've those things. I've accomplished cleaning my kitchen. You know, or something. You know, you feel accomplished. It's the way to fight out of that drill hole. Is that you know? Mm-hmm. So you've got to force yourself to do it. Yeah, as much as you can. Yeah. And I would also say um, that. Um, what was I going to say? I'm sorry. It was Brian's fault. That's Brian's brilliance just it, it took over. No, it just blew me away, and I am speechless. But. <laughs> Um, I often talk to people about sadness in life, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, if we're talking about depression, we're not saying that you should be doing the positive thinking thing. If you think of positive thinking as being, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> my dog died. Oh, that's nice. That's <laughs> awesome. No, it's a mean dog. It was his time. Right. Uh, which is silly, right? Absolutely. That does not help anyone for very long. Because it sooner actually later off. suffering. Yeah, right. you're denying uh, reality, really. Exactly. Right. So what we want is not to be um, uh, Pollyanna uh, or silly, but to be really as closely in touch with reality as we can. And it seems like the main shame about something like self-pity is that there are things in your life which are sad or painful, mm-hmm. but they ruin everything, right? If you have... 10% of sadness, 10% of joy, and 80% of life's okay, you know. Super great, super bad, just kind of okay, nice. Why should your um, sadness ruin that other 80%, right? Why does your life need to be a total wall-to-wall misery just because of, you know, of the few sad things that you have? Ideally, you... You will have some sadness. You have pain. It depends on the degree of the sadness or the, the the degree of the condition, as in what's causing me to be sad. Yes. So the death of a parent. Yes, death of a parent is going to occupy know, more of your life, make death more of a child. sad. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, then well, uh, that, that brings up too the difference between grief and depression. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because grief is a natural process of love and loss. 
when we lose that, you know, the one that we love, there's definitely a, a process to, you know, the greater the love, the greater the grief. Yes. And the process of grieving very often looks just like a major depression. Mm-hmm. And can but be confused. We would mm-hmm. not want to put medicine at that point to make them right. to make it impossible for them to feel what it feels like to lose a major. Can I ask you a question? Are you able to prescribe? No, I'm not. Okay. Only physicians are able to prescribe. Well, I think some uh, physicians. Psychiatrists. Some um, nurse, nurse practitioners. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Huh. Well, there's a lot of talk about that. But yeah, I was just, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to chase a white rabbit or anything. I was just curious. No, oh, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep Brian on on course, right? Because <laughs> sometimes the rabbit hole is Stay necessary. the course, Brian. Stay the course. We got to liven things that's up. For you. Here we go. I have great focus and attention. Brian yeah. tends to be a little flighty. <laughs> just kidding. It's the other way around. All uh, right. Self-pity. So how do you get out of self-pity? If you feel like you or someone you love is in self-pity, how can you help them or help yourself walk up out of that? Well, I can tell you how my mother does it. <laughs> how does your mother do it? She gives you a little bit of tough love. <laughs> She's hardcore, dude. Love her to death. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, but, she's a great woman. But yeah. what, what is a tough love in that case? Does just give you like a telling off or a slap? No, 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 no. Just probably tell you to suck it up. You know, she, there is no better Christian woman than my mother. I know. You know, she was giving me an example, you know, when she was working at her thrift store, uh-huh. that there's a lady that comes in there and likes to, I feel so miserable. Mm-hmm. And my mother pretty much said I was tired of it and told her, you know, <laughs> Quit telling yourself that because you feed or you'll grow whatever you feed it. You know, if you say I'm miserable, miserable, you're going to be miserable. If your focus is on the sad or difficult parts of your life. But if you feed the good. Like what would be the good for that woman? You know, I could feel worse. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, know, I mean, I'm able to walk. Uh You know, I'm able to come into the store. Right. So I Brian, mean, you're deep. hitting exactly on what I would say the 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 focus can can be that can be really helpful is gratitude. You're yeah. you're pointing out things that she has for which she can be thankful. Hmm. I agree. I agree. Yeah, no, that's uh that's a very powerful thing. Mhm. And partly because it does shift your focus, right? Mhm. If you're looking for things to be grateful for, then you are looking on the sunshiny parts of your life and not at the deep shadows. And every time I pray, the first thing I do mm-hmm. is telling, you know, thanking God for everything that He's given me, mm-hmm. even the bad, some of the bad things, mm-hmm. because it makes mm-hmm. me who I, it makes it who I am. Mm-hmm. So I thank Him, you know, mm-hmm. and then I go into my Santa Claus list of uh, I needs, you know, or healing for this person or that person. But, you know, absolutely, I always start off with the things that I'm grateful for. So that prayer in in and of itself is something that helps you flourish, right? Yes. You're not looking for a cure for your depression. You're looking for doing what you do and doing it in the best way. Can I add something to that? 
Yes. There's also the element of he's like the sadness can coexist with the gladness. Yep. The sadness is is going to, and I think often we get so obsessed with the sadness, like it's it's bad, and I need to get rid of it. Like I mm-hmm. I have clients say to me, like I just want to cut this out. But you don't you want know? to. And it's, it's really instead of thinking of that as a, a need that we have that needs to be addressed and taken care of, mm. um, that, you know, we can live with it, but it doesn't have to consume us. Right. Totally agree with you. Embrace it, but don't let it consume you. Mm-hmm. You know, if it does make you who you are, mm-hmm. you know, and... Uh, that's why everybody thinks I'm such an interesting individual. <laughs> yeah. Who is this, everyone? Yeah. <laughs> like me. All right, do you ever take a day off? <laughs> As a matter of fact, no, I don't, Fred. <laughs> Brian is quoting me to my to my face. I um, He is a very sarcastic man, mm. let me tell you. But very, very funny as well. Um, all right. So ways to get out of self-pity. I think we've had some good ideas. Uh, something that someone said, I can't remember if who it was between the two of you, but uh, getting reconnected with the goodness of life at a really basic level can be really effective at helping you get out of the wallow, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So a lot of times uh, the first thing that I do with people who are really depressed who come to see me um is we just make a list of very, very small things that they may already be doing, but they may have stopped doing them as well that are somewhat Mm -hmm. rewarding in some sense, basic sense. Brushing your teeth, um, putting your socks on, um, uh, putting clothes on in the morning. We all (laughs) Mm -hmm. appreciate that. Taking a shower. Taking a shower is a Mm -hmm. good one, yeah. yeah. Going to the kitchen and getting something to eat because if you're really depressed, Sometimes people will stay in bed even yeah. when they're hunger, hungry mm-hmm. and they don't even want to go to the kitchen to get something to eat. Mm-hmm. So there's two things that happen there. Number one is that you actually start doing some of the things that you know are uh, at a real basic level rewarding. But also the other thing is you're sending a subtle signal to yourself on an unconscious basis that you can do things that will make your situation slightly better. Mm-hmm depressed person or a person who's wallowing in self-pity sees their whole life as being bad and they see their whole the whole badness of that life as being unchangeable. Now, you just said earlier that you didn't believe in self-pity. <laughs> All right. Well, good that's catch, Brian. I mean, I'm thinking this sounds a lot like counseling, Fred. Tell us more right? about your uncounseling strategy. Well, let me whip out self-pity when it worked for me. Sorry. I was only playing devil's advocate. Oh, that's right. Okay. I do think there's such a thing as self-pity. <laughs> as self-pity. Uh, <laughs> and if you do small things like you appreciate very basic things, you know, the more that we can uh, enjoy the really simple pleasures the more um, happy our lives will be and the less we will get um, led astray by the complicated pleasures that um, waste our lives, I think. I agree with you. Like uh, luxury things, life's a luxury. If you can uh, really, really enjoy my my standard go-to example, a piece of uh, buttered toast. Oh. Right? Yeah. 
jalapeno bread. I've got two loaves. <laughs> bread from the, from the Mennonite store. So, uh, you know, if you can pay attention to what you're eating, the opposite for me is driving down the roads, trying to make a couple extra minutes by cutting in and out of traffic and eating at the same time. Oh, right? my God. And then you look around, what happened to my hamburger? Well, you were in a hurry. <laughs> and Hope you enjoyed it. And it's gone without you noticing it, let alone enjoying it, right? That's not a good way to live life. In between yelling at the people in traffic. I don't yell at people in traffic. I instruct them. And in the, go. The way and God bless them. And driving. they yell at you? Is that how that works? Some of them probably <laughs> They do. might, but they were far in the, in the distance anyway by that point. <laughs> They're receding in the rearview mirror by that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So uh, any other ideas for self-pity? I think you nailed it on the head. Or, <laughs> I think we nailed it on the head. I would I would add yeah. one thing. <laughs> yeah, Fred. <laughs> Fred nailed it on the head. And and I would I, oh, actually too. Yeah, go ahead. Because there's something really powerful about nature. Yeah. So when I'm working with clients who are are really struggling with depression, I encourage them to get outside even if they can't walk to like go sit in a chair on the patio or their porch. Yeah. You know, get out of the house, just change the space. Mm-hmm. Um, be able to reflect on something greater than the place where they're they're experiencing so much despair. And what's the other thing that's beneficial with that? Well, the remember? other thing that's really crucial is relationships. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> well, I Brian. am a woman, Brian. <laughs> you are, and a lovely woman you are, Deb. But, you know, and I, I was thinking, I was reminded, Brian, when you were talking earlier about father's love. Um, that we're made by love for love. No. We're made by our Father in heaven, by yes. God, okay. who okay. is, is yeah. love. No, absolutely. You know, who is love um, defined and who became love incarnate yes. on our behalf. The only thing that and, ever changes is know, our ability to accept that love. Yes. Yeah. The ability to totally accept it is like a real challenge. Go ahead, Deb. Sorry. But but what that does though is it, it defines within us as being made in the image of God a desire to love and be loved, a desire to know and be known. And I'm not talking solely about romantic love, Brian. So don't give me a big resounding no here. I'm not. I'm sorry. I was just overreacting. <laughs> All right. But well, within the context one... of depression, like being uh-huh. able to call a friend. And being able yeah. to say, hey, this is I just need on. to talk to somebody right now. And, you know, so in that, I think that, you know, outdoors and relationships are also key. That's all. So one line from the both of you, what gives you reason for hope? There's so much bad things going on on the news and in the, even in the church now. What gives you reason for hope? There's an on and off switch to the TV for the news. Nice one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been meeting, God's been blessing me so hard here lately. Well, he blesses me all the time. But, uh, you know, meeting new people, doing new things. Mm-hmm. Uh, meeting Deb is one of those <laughs> examples. You know, uh, man, you know, I'm on this podcast. This is new for me. 
you know, just mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's my one liner. Cool. Sorry. That's all right. Um, what gives me hope? Ultimately, that this life isn't everything. Mm-hmm. So not everything that I that I desire is necessarily going to be fulfilled in this life, and that's okay. That God has something greater, and that eternity is going to to right the wrongs. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, on a very practical level, working with so many amazing clients who really desire to dig into the the places of pain. To explore the to to you know to go to do the work of of healing. Um, they really mine, they give me hope and inspires me every day. Mine would be uh, we were at the Dominican Priory just last Sunday and seeing all the young friars, right? mm-hmm. so uh, energetic and happy and uh, smart and great guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's always the grass that grows up in the cracks, even of the most desolate uh, ruins. So there is hope. Um, uh, Deb, how can people get hold of you to make an appointment if they would like to see you? 610-601-9781 um, or look up Integrity Counseling Services in Pennsylvania, um, a rapidly growing counseling practice in the Philadelphia area, or they can just look up Deb Rojas, Catholic Counselor, and you will find me online. If you would like to get hold of St. Barnabas for counseling or life coaching or mediation, you can call 872-269-1280. So if you want to get hold of St. Barnabas, call 872-269-1280. He's very full, but he'll always fit you into his schedule. Um, Or you can go to stbarn.org. That's STB. A-R-N, stbarn.org, or email us at stbarn at protonmail.com. Thank you very much for um, being with us today. Um, Remember that uh, we are here every Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central. And Deb's show is on Tuesday at 7 Mm -hmm. o'clock Eastern and 6 o'clock Central. And And what is it called, Fred? The Tangled Mess. I'm a hot mess. <laughs> the hot tangled mess every Tuesday. Uh, at every uh, every day of the week, actually, at 7 o'clock Eastern, there are wonderful shows on the Four Persons Podcast. So tune in or uh, look them up and listen to them after they have been recorded. So as we close, let's uh, ask St. Barnabas. St. Barnabas, pray for us. St. Dymphna, pray, pray for us. For us. And pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Thank you very much. Good to see you, guys. Nice to meet you, Deb. Thanks for having me on. Great to meet you, Brian. Thank you. And we will uh, see you later. Thanks for being with us.